This is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, former TNA X Division champion and former TNA World Tag Team champion, and you are listening to the TNA Cross the Line podcast. Enjoy. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 192 of the TNA Crossline Podcast. I am Bob Collin Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley in Dallas. We are coming off of the debut on Spike. And by God, like the last five minutes of that show was quite explosive. Now, let's just say the first episode of the Spike era was good overall. But at the end, we had two major debuts. One's really a return, but... I guess in our land, we'll treat it as a debut because we're on national TV. Kevin Nash is back and he powerbombed Jeff Jarrett. And now by just simply saying on the microphone, you got a pay-per-view coming up Mount for glory. October 23rd, even though he didn't say the date. It's looking like it's Nash and Jarrett for the NWA world title for absolutely no other reason than just, because Kevin Nash is available. But then we got a tag team debut of Team 3D. Brother Ray, Brother Devon, they're here. And they're feuding already with AMW. We saw some 3Ds. And guess what? There's no pacing here in TNA with a national TV deal. No, 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 no. You know, she tells you to slow down. You're just going to go faster. That's right. We're busting our nut in the second week. Because... <sighs> It's AMW against Team 3D, a dream match apparently amongst internet fans here in 2005. It's happening here October 8th, 2005. We're going to watch it 18 years to the day after it happened. I am not overly thrilled about it. Dallas is a mark, so it works for him. Dallas, how are we feeling? Wow. Wow. So uh, we're actually going to talk a lot about the pacing um, before we get into today's show, my big Meltzer actually talks quite a bit about that. So we're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, uh, I mean, do, am I like excited for it to be on impact? I mean, sure. Why not? However, do I think they're going to bait and switch us a little bit and they're just going to do it at the November pay-per-view? Yeah. I kind of think that's, what's going to happen. Uh, we talked about that at the end of our last episode and I think it makes sense. And you know what, Bob? I think it is a dream match. It's TNA's top tag team versus one of the most historic tag teams. Yeah, I just, I'm trying to think back to how I was in like 2005, and I don't know if I ever really thought of it as like a dream match. And it's funny because we did talk about, we've talked about the Dudleys in 2005 before. Yeah. And how it's like, what the fuck were they even doing? And the answer was nothing. (laughs) And that's why we couldn't think about it because they literally did nothing for like a year, over a year, wasn't it? Easily, yeah. So like they left and obviously after when I say in 2005 in June, but at the end of 2004 they were like with Don Marie. And they I don't even Spike know what that Dudley. is. I can't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were like Spike Dudley's henchmen. And uh, you know they did the whole you know hey we murdered Paul Bearer at like Great American Bash 2004. But aside from that, um, 
there ain't no, there really wasn't a whole lot going on for uh, the Dudley Boys, now known as Team 3D. And, you know, as a wrestling fan, you know, I'm sure seeing that this is going to be on free television, you know, I'm probably going to tune in, you know, regardless, whatever. Right, right. But as a fan with also the critical eye, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, just for full disclosure, I'm not the type of guy that is going to tweet out like, oh my God, AEW got 890,000 views, dude, killing it. Or, you know, NXT got only 600. They fucking suck. Like, I don't care about numbers. I just I care about, I don't care either. I just, I just care about entertainment, you know, for the most part. But I also have like a critical eye to it. And, you know, here in the, this era of TNA, and I think, you know, Jarrett, you know, on his podcast, the My World podcast, has made it abundantly clear like their focus was TV ratings because that's where they made their money, on the TV deals through the years of the existence. So to have this match be on the second week isn't necessarily a surprise. But again, it's kind of damaging in my viewership eye of subsequent matches. Now, I'm sure, like you're saying, they're come November, I would be shocked if they didn't have a match. Uh, I don't know. A tables match. Right, you know, some kind of stipulation. But for me as a viewer, you know, let's say, you know, whatever the November pay-per-view is, if it's announced, like, oh, hey, this is, I already, like, I, I saw a sample size of it on television. Do I need to buy the pay-per-view? And also well, how my fanhood is, I sell, you know, it got to a point where I seldomly bought pay-per-views because the turnaround for DVDs and whatnot was usually a month and I can get a you know, DVD or VHS, whatever it is for 20 bucks. And I have it forever compared to having to buy a pay-per-view for that instant gratification and spending $30. Right. Yeah. So, and with TNA point. DVDs being half of what a WWE one costs, if it's not, even better. Yeah. Even, even cheaper. Most of the ones I got were five bucks. I mean, right. there was a, there was a sale, but regardless. Yeah, but still, you know, so five bucks. So yeah, like on you know television, if you're solely doing a television you know, product, it would make sense. But then if you're expecting to me then to turn around and potentially buy a show, you know, heavily featuring these guys as a main draw, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm gonna. Yeah pull that trigger and and this is a similar thing too with like what you know i hate to use the comparison here but like wcw would do this all the time on nitro they would do sting and hogan right and then three weeks later right, right. it's on pay-per-view well why the hell am i paying for a pay-per-view i just saw it on tv and chances are you're still not gonna get a clean finish so it doesn't fucking matter or like the next night the sh- the, the same match will happen that just happened yeah, on the, no, pay-per-view the night before you're, well, yeah, that I hate that one too. It's like it's a yeah. rematch. It's like, man, I could have just waited and saved three bucks. Right. Yeah. So, sure, it's a crammed. You know, let's say the pay per view is gonna be like twenty minutes long on the match, and then like on TV, it's probably gonna be like you know half of that. But right, I take half of it rather than paying for it. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And again, I, I'm just kind of. I feel like Team 3D is a very played out act especially by 2005 there's really just amw and team canada now that are a viable heel teams to feud with them right. in the rough or not no. at that level 
See, and but see, okay, Diamonds in the Rough is a great team that probably should have been like Team 3D's first match. There you go. They fucking beat them in two minutes. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. then we built to the AMW one. Exactly. But again, it's they want they want that rating. You know, that's what they're focusing on. So what are people gonna do? You know, especially the first couple of weeks. They're probably, you know, they want to build that audience and be like, oh, hey, the Dully Boys are here now. Okay, cool. Kevin Nash is back. Great. So, I mean, I get it. But from a critical eye, I probably would have done things a little different. Yeah, no, I think that I think that makes sense. Um, well, we have plenty to talk about here um, as we get into the show. Uh, like I said, even about pacing and all that kind of good, fun stuff. So let's get into it. And actually, I forgot a couple uh, small things on last week's show. So let me, oh, great. Let me, I was like looking, I was like doing the notes for this one. And I was like, oh, I didn't read any of this. Um, there's only the, we were super excited to get into the first. I mean, we were we were. Um, and it's only three like quick things. And um, if I didn't think they were interesting enough, then I, I wouldn't tell you. But I think they're kind of interesting. So. Um, and actually, one of them is actually kind of carried over to today. We're going to talk about Kevin Nash's deal here um, pretty soon. But before that, uh, we know that Tito Ortiz made his debut on the tapings. We saw him go into an office. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about the whole show because Dave talks very much about it. So we'll run down that whole thing in a second, too. But So uh, Ortiz agreed to a deal and essentially maybe refereeing the main event at Bound for Glory. Um, and, of course, this is kind of a big thing because um, – but the UFC airing during the Slam and Saturday Night blocks, you can get that tie-in having a recognizable former um, UFC fighter kind of in the group. So Dave is saying that this is a pretty big deal um, in this regard for that. So it's pretty interesting, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I personally don't care either way because I don't really watch MMA. But so this show is potentially going to be full of, of just repeats of things that we saw not on television. Like or like on FS1. I sort of feel like that's gonna we're gonna get a lot of that. Iron Man match, Tito again being his Iron Man match, Iron Man match, the Monsters Ball, Monsters Ball. I mean, yeah, dude, I kind of think we're gonna get a lot of that stuff again. Ultimate X. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. (laughs) Um, and by the way, these are all these are the notes I'm reading are from uh, Brian Alvarez, which is why I forgot them because I don't really like his notes to be honest with you. But, anyways. Um, he notes that this is for the kind of for the week prior, but he says for sure it was not a decree by Spike for Jeff Jarrett to win the title. And if anything, apparently they weren't very happy about it. Uh, so long story short, the idea was that he was a recognizable to a casual audience and b a short term heel champion that could drop the belt down the road to a babyface and c the best of the current crop to do so. And this is the part that I think is most interesting about it. And that's that Scott DeMore and Mike Tanay were the guys behind the decision. Um, and neither is a fool, as he says. So presumably they've got to feel that it is a great plan after all. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you have so many recognizable names. They could have done it on the, on the first show and it would have been better if you really had to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they felt the need to have to do it in Canada. I, I don't know. But here we are. Um, Tanae, speaking of, was also on the Wrestling Observer Live um, 
it's now two Sundays ago because this is an old note. But regarding the suggestion that they tape Monday nights and make the show the first run with Saturday being the replay, um, he said that it had been discussed. But right now, Spike was really counting on them to be a major part of the slamming Saturday night block. So therefore, there's no movement in that direction at this time. They wanted so, the Monday to be the original. Oh my god! So they Monday wanted night, to like tape. Mo- yeah. So they wanted it. This was a suggestion that they tape the show on Monday. Probably during the day, I would assume. It airs at, what, midnight after Raw on Monday is the first airing. And then Saturday would be the replay. But Spike really is pushing that slamming Saturday night block. So Yeah, you got to keep it. I think you keep it on Saturday. I agree with that. I used, okay, like, and I've said this before. I used to watch Velocity pretty regularly because it was on Saturdays late at night and I could, I actually watch it. Right. You know, there's nothing else I'm out watching at 11 o'clock at night. Why not watch some Velocity? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I watched uh, some Impact at the same time frame. Right. Um, bef- before we get into the main show, I'll I'll just point out that Alvarez actually speaks quite highly of the show. I'm not going to read his breakdown because um, he, he always does like the breakdowns for Impact, but he, he talks about how awesome the opening video package was mm-hmm. and all that. So he... Um, actually very much enjoyed the show, but we're not as interested in him. We're going to talk about Dave Meltzer, which I'm scrolling to as we speak. Um, and then during the show, actually, I don't know. We'll, let's see how we are in timing, Bob. But uh, there's some pretty interesting Dixie Carter interviews, but they're a little bit more long firm that I might be able to squeeze in during the show. But we'll see. Anyways, uh, TNA debuted on 10-1 in the Velocity time slot, as Bob was just talking about. And their rating for that debut show was a .78 which is about 850,000 viewers. Uh, the median age was 35, which is slightly younger than Velocity, where the median age is 41. I don't know how they know that stuff, but whatever. Isn't uh, it just off of, like, the household? I think it is, but this is so weird to it's me. So weird I don't know. I don't understand that stuff. Also, it would, like, so, like, back then, like, my father's name was, like, on the bill, right? But you're the one watching But Velocity. I'm watching it as, yeah. like, you know, 16 years old or whatever. Is he getting credit for watching it as, you know, a four-year-old man or whatever? Like, that isn't... I don't know. I don't get it. Or, I mean, I'm sure that's what it was. I'm I'm not getting credit for it. (laughs) Right. Um, TNA was strongest with males 25 to 34. um, And it says uh, 0.88 in that demo, which is the same demo as the UFC. Uh, TNA was no doubt helped by having a lead-in as the repeat strongest episode of the season of Ultimate Fighter. Uh, But the good news is that they retained that viewership. And the angle at the end of the show with Jeff Jarrett, the former Dudley's three life crew, Kevin Nash was up about 23%, which he notes that that figure may be slightly off, but not by much. Um, So that was up more than the other three quarters. So it's pretty, that's pretty important to note. Um, The point is at that time slot, Velocity usually lost viewers every quarter as it was getting late. And that's the part that's interesting because it actually got more later. Right. It's, it's, so, it's pretty interesting. Well, right. And they, we also, context is huge. Your velocity is a secondary show. I mean, Correct. You have like Orlando <laughs> Jordan and like Nunzio and Johnny the Bull were regular yeah. competitors. Correct. Not your Eddie Guerrero's and John Cena's or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, no, well, here's the thing. I think that is a pretty good uh, success here. I mean, velocity towards the end was doing like a 0.8 to maybe a 1. So they're probably hovering around the same around same rating uh as velocity was doing so i guess that's uh positive yeah 
and it's uh, increased throughout the show. She had way bigger number than anything on FS1. FS1 was doing like a point fucking one two. I, yeah, and I have something I'm about to actually mention that right in just a second. So it it's pretty interesting. Now the, we also have note on the replay of the show as well. Um, so at midnight on Monday, they did a point five rating, which Dave says had to be a disappointment uh, yeah. because they dropped sixty two percent from what Ultimate Fighter did. Because remember, Ultimate Fighter was leading in again the same night. That's what the whole thing was. This war that we were talking about. Now still, with all the wrestling and fighting product available that night. He says, again, it may have been just a bad week to judge. Uh, plus, there was no advertising for Monday night until that night. I had weeks of advertising for Saturday, and it was a replay show. So I think all in all, it, I, I don't think it's really that bad. No, I think a point five on a second run. A second run at midnight. So it's even later. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's bad. Uh, no, now it says here, though, uh, but for TNA, it's obviously all about exposure at this point. Uh, TNA, on its bad time slot on FSN, did 200,000 viewers for a better-than-usual rated episode. And that was averaging about 350,000 viewers per week between a Friday afternoon and Saturday night uh, time slot. The two time slots on Spike did about 1.52 million viewers. So, that's wait, what... Wait, what happened? On FSN, yeah. Between the two, the replay and the main show, they were averaging about three hundred fifty viewers per week. Three hundred fifty thousand, yeah. Three hundred fifty thousand. And for the two spike, the replay and the main show, they did about one point five two million viewers together. Oh, one point five two. Okay, I thought you said five point two million. No, no, no. I didn't hear the no, one. No, no, no. I was like, no, what one, one. Yeah, one point five two. Um, uh, they don't have to quadruple, uh, pay-per-view buys on, uh, October 23rd for this to be a home run, basically is what this is coming down to. But with all the new viewers, if they aren't up significantly, that's also not good. Uh, right now, TNA should be very happy about Saturday, but also should be disappointed about Monday. That's what Dave says, but I still I would be focusing on Saturday. Exactly. I think that makes no sense. Who cares about second run? Anything on the second run should just be extra toppings on a good day. Right, I agree with that. Um, okay, let's talk about his breakdown from the show. And now, I, this is not going to be an every week thing, I don't think. But since it was the debut one, he goes pretty in-depth about it. And depending where we get from this, we may end with that Dixie Carter interview. And then we'll have a few notes during the show. Because I think we're kind of flying right now, which is better than I thought we were going to be. So. so, a few comments on the TNA Spike debut on October 1st. Dave says that his main feeling uh, when it was over is that TNA needs to produce two TV shows per week. Uh, he says that the reason is not that the show uh, was great and I want to see it twice and I would never call it bad or boring, but it is exactly as he feared. And that's that they tried to cram so much into one hour that in the end that nothing had meaning. So from start to finish, everything felt rushed. Uh, it felt like watching um, the old uh, much. Matrats, Matt, Matt Tratz, I don't know, out of Canada. I don't know what that is, to be honest with you. Uh, but he says it was, that was a fun show. Bob knows what it is, so I don't know. Bob was a fun I mean, I know I'd never seen it. But I mean, I I've never know. watched the, the Matt Rats out of Canada. But anyways, he talks about, you know, it, it was full of great moves, um, but nobody's personality got over and no stories were told. Um, and there's some pretty interesting stuff right here in the beginning that's gonna i think surprise you so aj styles and roderick strong rushed so fast through their match 
that you were left with nothing but a few ooze of Styles' more spectacular moves. Um, and by the way, an interesting note is the match that you saw on TV was actually a combination of the beginning of the first match and guess what? There was a second match because they had spliced in the ending uh, because it was botched. So we saw a a spliced match. You're kidding. No, and actually, let me show This you. is like when we saw the... When I saw two of the same Lex Lovett matches, but I didn't know it. Well, that was yeah, that was something else. So I'm trying to find. Uh, hold on, it's up here somewhere because I thought that he said it right there too, but actually, it looks like he doesn't. It was in the old note. So let me see. Let me see. Oh, here it is. Um, so basically, they redid the Styles and Strong match because um, they botched the the finish. The um, reverse DDT and then doing the styles clash and stuff. So they, he like messed it up. So they were like, well, fuck it, redo it. And it's, it's funny because before I knew that I was, yeah, I get the results and it, they were name was on there twice. And so basically they, t- they did explosion, the first explosion, the show, and then that match again before taping the second show. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Uh, so anyways, he, he notes that because of that, Mike Tanay was explaining about the six-sided ring during the first match, and then when they picked it up, he was explaining it again. Uh, but Dave says it wasn't as bad as it sounds, though. And honestly, it couldn't have been that bad because we didn't call him yeah, out we... to be like, why is he talking about the six-sided ring again? Because we do listen while we're watching. Yeah. Um, he notes that the video packages were great, particularly the first one, which made you feel uh, going in that this was a professional show. Uh, but as a fan... Uh, with that mindset, I felt they assumed that people knew too much. He says, I saw a bunch of guys, but when it was over, I knew nothing about any of them other than the X division is the signature division. Guys work their asses off and don't saw any moves. And Monty Brown played in two Super Bowls and they are trying to push him. So he says that's all he learned from the first episode. Uh, I, I don't think I thought they were good. I thought they did good, too. To be honest, yeah, I, I, I like fast paced shows to be honest, but I mean, I don't. So, here's the thing when he was saying that it felt rushed and like nothing felt like it could like mean anything, I don't really agree with that. I thought that there was pretty good pacing for a 40 minute show. I mean, they are going to be there, are they are going to be trying to fill in a lot of stuff, yeah. and I get that, yeah, but I don't think pacing was an issue the first episode. I don't either. Um, he notes that. Um, Christopher Daniels, Saban, Williams, Shelley were all thrown out there with no context. Uh, the three-way with Saban, P. Williams, and Alex Shelley had about three minutes cut out of the middle of it because of the main angle at the end of the show going too long. I'm told was the match was a lot better live uh, with those three minutes in, so we also saw that match edited as well. Mm. Um, which, I mean, I guess that's what you get for a tape show, but personally as a fan, I think that's kind of disappointing when you find that stuff out. Yeah. Um, He says that as a TNA fan, I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view because they usually have great shows. Uh, For a first-time fan, they did nothing to make me want to buy the pay-per-view. But I do think that it was interesting enough that they can get most new people back, and in time, if they produce good TV, they can make them fans. A first-time fan would know Jeff Hardy and Rhino, but they still gave them no context. Raven was beating on guys in the back in a terribly staged-looking and totally rushed segment that I barely knew why. It may have been so uh, he had been screwed out of the title, but the point wasn't driven home. 
Are you fucking kidding me? Of course that's why he's beating people up. You know, this is Dave Meltzer. This is not me. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's not rocket science. Uh, he notes that he saw Larry Zbysko out there, and he seemed to be a commissioner sort. So he's, try- see, he's trying to like pretend that he knows nothing about the show, but I don't know. Uh, Tito Ortiz showed up for a secret meeting. Um, so he says that the Jarrett title win tape was spliced too short, and it didn't have the impact. Uh, the last segment was rushed as well, but it was a good segment. He says that Chris Harris and James Storm were not put into context. I didn't know who they were, and it was never explained, other than that it looked like they were a Tennessee Cowboy horseman. Uh, three Life Crew came off as stars because Conan can talk and they walk to the ring or dance uh, like they are somebody's. And apparently Conan's promo was also cut uh, during this, and he did a line which got a big pop live where he said Jeff Jarrett's interviews have the same effect as sleep aid, and <laughs> which I think is pretty funny. And actually, it's funny that he says this because when they came out, you literally go, they're, they're treating them like superstars. They think they're the big stars. And Dave says the same thing. Yeah. So that's pretty funny. Well, because it was just weird that they, out of all the people, that they came out to respond to Jarrett. Right, right. Like, if you've been watching the show for the past six months, there hasn't really been that interaction to be like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. They're right. clearly, it's because it's, oh, hey, it's Conan from WCW. Oh, it's Rodon from WWE. Casual fans are going to know who this is. Right. Uh, he notes that fans pop big for Team 3D, which is no shock. Uh, they gave every everyone 3Ds too fast, and they came across Major League and our recognizable stars. He says that Devon is in the best shape I've ever seen him, and Brother Ray is in better shape than he was in WWE. They came across hungry and uh, not guys who uh, learned WWE style and are now picking up a paycheck and made a name. Uh, on a made name, excuse me. Uh, the t-shirts with the middle finger on the back saying something like, fuck trademarks. It actually said trademark this, but whatever. Um, can be a merchandise seller, but nobody acknowledged it or explained it. Uh, when Bubba looked at the camera and gave a message to Stanford and flipped it off, it was edited off the TV be- um, with a nasty jump cut and not well done because Mike Tenay was screaming, you tell him, Brother Ray, and was that was not edited out, but they did cut out him giving the middle finger on TV, apparently. Yeah. Um, even though we heard nothing he said, uh, that's, that was still in there. Um, we were told that some of the higher-ups were squeamish at the idea of middle fingers on the show. However, the segment was nixed by Spike, and this may be a key story in the long run. The segment was scripted in advance to make the company look like it was an edgy, like, ECW kind of show. Uh, Spike at at first approved it, and then, after the fact, asked if it could be edited out because they felt that it would come across as Spike TV giving the WWE the middle finger and not the Dudleys doing so. But it also also comes across as Spike is already backing away from wanting a confrontation, which is pretty interesting after all the stuff that we've been talking about. Right. Um. And he keeps going. We're still we're still going here. Uh, some of the editing uh, was because of the show went long live, which is why some of those matches got cut and stuff. But um, there were a lot of production um, snafus at the taping to the point that it took two days of extensive work on the debut show before it was ready for air. And even that there were some minor um, issues that snuck through. Um, they used a combination of existing TNA people and some new people from Spike. And the new people from Spike have to learn their way. This is production-wise. Uh, Spike has given the promotion the okay to use juice, which has been an issue in question until this week. So unlike FSN, we can bleed on Spike. Right. So if we have a hardcore match or something, that's a positive, right? Yeah. 
Um, and then he goes on to uh, talk about Kevin Nash a little bit. He says that Nash is Nash, sort of a star, at least in name. But I don't think people care. But I think it's probably the right thing to have him show up on the first show. For such a big guy who has uh, been a name for more than a decade, he really didn't seem to show star presence. Maybe because it was how he was dressed and it didn't feel very impactful. Uh, the fact that the live crowd in Orlando didn't see him as a big deal didn't help. This may sound negative, but I think the product is there. Uh, but they need to slow down. Uh, if they if they did the exact same number of matches and angles, but spread it over two hours, and most of all, explain the context of what's going on, I think you'd have two very good shows. And I fear with one hour, it's going to be like this every week. Which I think, for me and Bob's sake, is kind of a positive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in general... Uh, he does say the reaction to the show was very good. He did an observer poll for this. He says 30% said that it was excellent. I, I did, I've never seen these ratings before, but 30% said it was excellent. 47.6 said it was good. 11.2 said average. 3.8% said fair. And 7.3 said poor. Mm. I don't know how you could vote that show poor, but what do I know? It must be w, WWE diehards. It's like the people on Twitter now when you say one thing and then you got the other people bitching about another. It's the same thing. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, yeah, man. it's um, That's where we're, we're at here. We uh, we had the first one, and Dave thinks they're going too fast, uh, but he says that, I mean, he said it right there, he thinks that it's a good show and likes where it's at, but... I think we were pretty happy with it. So, And I guess he... I, did we kind of talk about all the matches there i guess we we didn't we kind of skimmed over some um so i guess really quick we could say how aj styles defeated roger strong four minutes one second monty brown did a squash match against our favorite lex levette uh, in one minute one second chris saban won that three-way that we noted uh defeating alex shelley and pd williams in 10 minutes and 30 seconds and then jeff hardy and rhino went to a no contest in four minutes and 18 seconds yeah now if dave thinks that this show is like Fast now. You better get a seatbelt. Like, <laughs> it's not slowing down. Well, that's going to be very exciting. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, you know, Bob, let's just do this Dixie Carter interview. Let's just right. let's talk about Dixie really quick. Um, I think we're doing very good on time already. I was I when I was doing these notes last night. I'm thinking this is about to be a two hour show. Um, maybe it was because I was tired and I was doing these at about <clears throat> midnight. And I was like, these are there's a lot of notes here. <laughs> um, okay, so it's a kind of a two-parter, uh, and this will be a lot easier to do here before the show, but like I said, I was very worried about the Dave Meltzer breakdown. But he says, uh, it was TNA week, it seems, on Between the Ropes Radio. Uh, Dixie Carter, in her interview, talked about how she started working with the company in public relations about five months before they got rolling. So I don't know if we actually knew before or not, but she essentially was with the company since day one. She wasn't like brought in randomly. So right. I think that was pretty interesting. Yeah, she was a PR specialist. Right. Um, she was asked if they ever considered shutting the company down. She says, quote, there has never been a day I felt that. Uh, she said, quote, I and you and all of your listeners out there have read our obituary so many times before we started, a month after we started, three months after we started. And that's uh, been the most consistent pattern with us. People have been saying how we don't have a chance. You lose money when you start a co new company. Uh, how many major companies immediately make money from the beginning? 
We've had a wonderful business plan in place that we have met or exceeded along the way. I'm very proud of the business side of our company, and hopefully we'll continue to make decisions as all of these moons and stars are aligning with us right now and all the great things are happening. Um, she also said that she plans to take pay-per-views on tour starting next year, which is a pretty interesting note. And then there's a part two um, interview because she also did one with Sport, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So it's kind of cool. Um, she was asked why she kept such a low profile and says uh, she said that sometimes people like to write things about themselves and make sure the story revolves around them. And she wasn't that sort of person. Of course, uh, not forever. <laughs> <laughs> As we know. Egos change. To be fair, I actually sort of enjoyed any, some of that. But anyways, that's not the point. Yeah, of course. Uh, this led to a question about Vince Russo, which Dixie Carter replied, and I quote, I think Vince Russo is a creative genius. I adore him as a person. I've sat in rooms with him and seen creative brilliance. But Vince Russo would have loved to be have been behind the scenes and not on the air. He was so good at the on the air that we were insistent that he be out there. So apparently he would have preferred that, and they were like, no, you're going out there. Yeah. Well, he has said that he didn't want to be on television, but then he fucked himself on television. He's a good heel. But... Uh, she said that the synergy with Universal Studios was awesome. She says, quote, think about it. When you walk through those doors and you look to your right and there's a huge billboard of ours up there, if you're a wrestling fan or not, you're going to look up there and see there's a production here called TNA Wrestling. Uh, she notes that the six-sided ring was Jarrett's idea, which I, we've talked about before, I believe. But um, She basically said that the reason Nash was brought in to face Jarrett at Bound for Glory was uh, because his last match with Jarrett was so good. So that's why they did that. Well, obviously. I mean, it was match of the year contender. Right. It was, uh, it was just mind-blowing. Uh, it says here, she was asked one of the tough questions. Is Jarrett just on top because of his pops? Dixie says, I think if you look at Jeff Jarrett's performance day in and day out, he is the pinnacle. He's at the pinnacle of his career. From his promo work to his in-ring skills, he can take a wrestler who is not that great, and he can make a match shine. He has tremendous capabilities, and I think people are selling him short. Maybe they just... Maybe they think it's because uh, this is his company, so that's what's happening. I think Jeff is in the position he's in because, honestly, having some of the star power from the past, but also being uh, great in the ring, great on the mic, and having the ability to stir it up a big time as a heel. She actually said that his biggest problem was his inability to want to push himself, um, which is interesting because... Uh, it's Jeff Jarrett. Um, she also indicated the next two major stars to get pushed are not surprisingly going to be Monty Brown and Samoa Joe, which is probably why we saw so many Monty Brown um, videos on the show. And finally, in another article on the Dallas Morning News, besides the line about losing $1 million per month, uh, Dixie also said that the company was on track next month to actually break even, meaning at some point soon, if all goes well, they might actually become profitable. Wow. Well, there you go. Congratulations, yeah. TNA. Making money. As soon as they go on spike, that's, remember, Jarrett said that on his podcast, and literally, yeah. we just got the spike. They say as soon as they go on spike, they're profitable. Yeah, he's like, the second that I signed that contract, we made money. Let's go! 
good for them. So, yeah, pretty interesting because I feel like Dixie, I don't know, I feel like she doesn't do like tons of interviews, uh, but maybe I'm wrong because she did three. But obviously it was to promote the uh, the debut here. But Yeah, I feel like she doesn't get super vocal or involved until like Bischoff and Hogan come in. Oh, she goes like nuts, I think, when Hogan and Bischoff go in. Yeah, I, I mean, changes. The funny, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it eventually, but like I was at the I was at the press conference and it's like funny because like Dixie Carter's like there. It's like Dick TNA president Dixie Carter. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? Right. Um, it was pretty wild, but. Um, all right. Well, I guess that means we're ready to get into the show then, right? Oh, Bob. I mean, the thing here is I'm always ready to get into an episode of Impact. Yeah, this is always ready to cross that line. That's right. It's the October 8th, 2005 edition of Impact, the second one on Spike. The runtime is 41 minutes and 51 seconds. If you want to watch along with us, head over to Impact Plus, or you can find it in your own personal collection. That works, too. I'm going to count down from three, and when I say play, that is when you're going to want to follow along with us. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. This is TNA. i got to stop saying that every time it plays. Um, there is a uh, another explosion note here, as we're going to probably do a highlight package. Um, oh, we're just showing the Dudleys. Um, so this episode of Explosion was also at this taping, and it aired on October 14th, 2005, and we saw Alex Shelley team up with Samoa Joe to defeat Apollo and Chris Sabin. That's a weird tag in match. Yep. Look at all the explosions every time they're doing a move, dude. Bob, I'm a little sad. That Spike TV logo is a little different this week. A little darker. Oh, you wanted impact? This is exactly what you got. It's the Dudley's talking, guys. Two guys who made the biggest impact in tag team wrestling. Brother Ray, Brother Devon, Team 3D. Oh, they're going to win the most prestigious set of tag team titles in the business. Well, you're going to find out why Team 3D is the baddest tag team on the planet. Yeah, I like how Devon provided basically nothing there. Well, that's his job. Yeah, I guess. But he didn't really add anything. 60-minute adrenaline rush. You're going to find out exactly what Bully Ray, or uh, Brother Ray just said. But I'm going to say it, too. Oh. Raven is being escorted out of the building in handcuffs earlier tonight. He's being arrested. Hmm. Okay, so it took us two episodes to get somebody arrested. Your 60-minute adrenaline rush is next. Lots of pyro, lots of crowd shots, and here comes Team Canada's PD Williams. Oh, it's all of them. It's all it's all of them. A1. It's not PD. I lied. That's Eric Young. <laughs> and then Bobby Rude. Yep. Kind of a weird uh, framing here. I don't know why we're, like, showing the video on the side like that, but whatever. 
we revealed that Demore was the guy who screwed Jarrett and their opponents. Beware. Three live crew. Okay, they are wearing their... Well, BG's wearing their jersey, at least this week. I actually thought it was weird that they didn't come out in their like three life crew jerseys last week, so. Well, aren't the jerseys like what they wear to wrestle? Apparently not. <laughs> Dude, look at the three life crew figures in the shoe. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. Good marketing. That's how I would display mine if I had those. Look at Conan's hat. Yo, 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 where's my dogs at? Yo, 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 let me speak on this. Oliva la raza. Oh, yeah, O-Town. Total nonstop action brings to you the soon-to-be tag team champions of the world. That's quite a... Uh, mm. Not the one, not the two, but the three life crew. Is that the same shoe or is that another shoe? I don't know. But Team Canada goes right after them. It's very weird to me, Bob, without still without the Fox box situation. Like they did that for so long that every time the bell rings, I look up to see how much how much time there's gonna be. Oh, I don't miss it. Oh, I mean I don't like it on the screen, but we I'm so used to it. BG jabbed uh, Bobby Roode down there, but got distracted by Young, and then gets clotheslined by Bobby Roode. Did you like that? Um, the voice of Coach Scott Demore. Yeah. Oh. So they're basically saying that Team Canada used their political uh, power to get rid of Raven. Is that what I just heard? Yeah. And he's not getting back in the building, which probably means that he'll be back in the building by the end of this match. <laughs> what would make you think that? It's wrestling 101. He's, he's gone. Playing. He's out of the building. Raven's back and he's driving the car. And he's still handcuffed. It'd be a whole thing. Hey, there's Nin. Kip James. Tanae's like, what is he doing out here? Oh, neckbreaker by Rude and drives James down to the mat. The long, long history of BG James. Mm-hmm. Multi-time WWE Tag Team Champions, even says so. Mention the competition, look at that. TNA doesn't live in their own world, man. That's just the truth. Well, and that's smart. I don't think you can. You gotta punch up. Especially, at least, um, I don't know. Like, WWE, like, nowadays, is, like, pretends that they don't live in their own bubble. Like, they one time, once in a while, they'll slip something in there. Yeah. But, like, they still just kind of live in their own bubble. Well, it's the WWE universe. It's like, where did where was Sting for the last 20 years? I don't know. Actually, yeah, well, like, they'll, they'll mention, like, New Japan. Like, from he, he went to Japan. Yeah, what else did he do? Win a few world titles or something? Yeah. <laughs> they give they're giving us every angle. Uh, they got the low shot, the high shot, the front shot. Um, 
Ron Killing's cleaning house. Going after Eric Young, reverses Irish whip, comes off the ropes, hits that corkscrew forearm. Looks like he landed on the head of Bobby Roode. I can't confirm. Up and over in the corner. Boom. Little heel kick after the split. But Team Canada breaks it up. Who would have expected that? It's amazing like how little they've done with Ron. Did they, how little they've done what? Like they've done very little with him since he oh. was the champion. But he hasn't yeah. been in a high-profile feud. No. They, they they tried to pretend that didn't they they he was in like the King of the Mountain at Slamiversary wasn't he? And they were like he's a former champion. Yeah, but like there wasn't any. <laughs> Conan missed the shoe. It probably hit a fan, and now he did his other shoe and it hit him that time. Wow. So, so a fan might have just got drilled with a shoe. Okay, and Bobby Roode also just got drilled with a shoe, and that one looked like it hurt. The fucking shoot. Get out of here, Damore! Oh, oh. Killings is, is doing some hip movements. Oh. Scissor kick. Boom. Axe kick. He hit the axe kick. One, two. Oh, That's wow. a three. Okay. Clean win. Coming for wow. you. It's the remix. Three live crew. But Team Canada goes after him. Of course, you got to get that heat. Are you getting ready for the Dudleys to come back out? <laughs> There's no way they're going to have him come out before their main event. Okay. Oh, wait a second. There's, there's, okay, there's, wait, this, wait, this makes too much sense. He was literally standing there. Yeah. Kip James coming to protect his partner. His, his brother. brother. Oh, okay, Bob, we're finally picking this storyline back up. It's been six months. Conan's like, yeah, do something. So what? You're a foot taller than me. What, what, dude? It's like we're starting it over, dude. Yeah. What's going on here with Kip James? What are we? What are we? What are they doing? It's, it's weird. It's ugly head again. I haven't seen them do this in about three weeks. <laughs> in the main event tonight, they're gonna battle. AMW versus Team 3D, a dream match. Look at, look at, yeah, holy yeah. shit, dude. They probably didn't have the trademark, so I don't know if you noticed, but Devon had a plain blue T-shirt on in the promo video they were playing at the, yeah, the little true. one. Don West, Mike Tanay, Bob, did you see they're going in the uh, Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2023? Okay, ultimate extra rundown here. Remember when they when they had the drawing on a whiteboard? This one? Oh, the drawing on the whiteboard. But yeah. then they had that wicked old, like, sketchy one that looked like it was made yeah. of Microsoft Paint. Yeah. And they had, like, yeah. a 3D version. Don Cal's legitimately drawing it. This is actually a, probably a pretty good uh, thing to be playing here, though. It's kind of funny, because, like, some of the best Ultimate X stuff was literally just in the Asylum. Yeah. 
Oh, so I have this. Okay, there we go. Now we're okay. Now we're showing some better ones. I was about to say, I feel like we're not even showing the best clips. <laughs> Yeah, more like that stuff. Cutting edge alternative wrestling. C-E-A-W. That's what the name should have been, Bob. Yeah. Oh, my God. She had both Christopher Daniels figures. She was handed those. And here he comes. Looks just like his action figure. Except the purple uh, under. Indie notes for Mr. Christopher Daniels. He on October first he defeated Azriel and Matt Seidel for Ring of Honor at Joe versus Kobashi, and the next night he defeated Jimmy Yang for Ring of Honor at Unforgettable, and then for WSW in Australia, Daniels nice. wrestled AJ Styles on four occasions, three of which were singles matches, and were a best-of-three series, and then one was a mixed tag. So their first one was a 30-minute Ironman match, which AJ won one to nothing. Daniels won the second one in 21 minutes. Then there was a mixed tag where AJ teamed with Gail Kim to defeat Daniels and Nydia. Okay. And then in the final of the uh, series, AJ won, defeating Daniels in 14 minutes. And all those matches happened in Newcastle, Australia. Now, Austin Aries, who I don't believe technically has a contract, but he's here and he got an entrance, so that counts for something. So on he was October, he was offered one. I right, think we so met, on, I think we mentioned that, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. On October first, Aries lost to Doug Williams for one PW, a cruel twist of fate in England. And then on the second, he lost to Raven in a Ravens rules match for MEW in England. And then on October 7th, he fought FIP heavyweight champion Homicide to a no contest, FIP's X Factor. And then on the 8th, he teamed with Jimmy Rave to defeat Azrael and Sean Waltman at FIP's Fallout in Bushnell, Florida. Now, that FIP X Factor show it was also headlined by Sean Waltman. This is a quite an interesting uh, three-way match here. We got Christopher Daniels, Austin Aries, and Matt Bentley. And Sean Wallman defeated Jimmy Rave on that show. So Sean Wallman's alive and he's wrestling. That is good. Um, I was I was very focused on Tracy um, staring at Matt Bentley's butt on the way out. Did you mention a, a one PW show on any of that? I did. You did. Um, I just had my only note about that was that they used a lot of TNA talent and you'll probably talk about every single match that's on there at some point, but um, it drew about uh, 1300 fans in a 1500 seat uh, setup, which is pretty good. That's not good at all. Matt Bentley. Is uh, he's just doing matches so well these days? I wish what pop up goes behind Austin Aries. That's right. He was trained by in pro wrestling by his cousin Shawn Michaels. We haven't heard that in about two years. Yeah, and he just hit a uh, neckbreaker stunner combo later on Aries and Daniels. His gear is also shiny now because he's bad. 
He's is, back. And he's back. Daniel's got something around his neck. He does. He's wearing like a necklace. Since when? I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it either. It's like a little priest kind of one. No, I don't like that. No. Oh, tilt to world. Daniels lands on his feet. Hits Matt Bentley with a flatliner. Or STO, same thing, whatever. Flatliner's the other way, I guess, right? Yeah, flatliner's face first. It's reverse <laughs> flatliner. Yeah, basically. Tracy is also going in the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame this year. Did you see that? I did. And at first I was like, you know, why? And then I remembered like all of her crazy bumps that she took. And I was like, you know what? Maybe she should. No, I kind of, yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah. She's like one of the original knockouts. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I think it's cool to see her involved again. Look at that reverse DDT flatliner combo by Daniels. I really hope he doesn't keep this neck thing on long. I don't think he does, because it looks really dumb. I mean, who who ends up telling him, like, hey, that was not a good idea? Maybe he, like, just legit forgot to take it off. I was wondering that. Like, it's, it's definitely, it, see, it matches his gear, though. Yeah. Like, it's purple. But his entrance gear was gray. It was kind of a weird thing. Usually he's very matchy. Double team tossing Daniels off the top rope. Matt Bentley going after Austin Aries. But like I noted, it was offered some kind of deal. Um, I'll be honest with you, dude. I did not think we were seeing this much Austin Aries this early in TNA. I yeah, thought it was like I mean, two appearances. Yeah, I, I just remembered um, his, him appearing at Unbreakable. I didn't know that. Like, Yeah, I think me too. But he has had a few matches already. I feel like there can't be that much more, though. Right. I'll take more Roderick Strong, though. How are you feeling about Matt Bentley, like, push? I like Matt Bentley. I do, too. But if you're, like, having guys like Roddy Strong and Austin Aries in here, I don't know. Well, yeah. Let me look at that. They just did. Reverse Hurricane Rana out to the floor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you do stuff like that, you know who um, Matt Bentley reminds me of that no one else will probably even get the reference to? And you might think I'm stupid for this, but I'm going to say it as, look at this split like moonsault. Oh, my God. He Well, he missed, uh, but he tried to land on his feet. I don't know why. This is going to sound so stupid. Uh, he sort of reminds me of Jason X in like a weird way. Matt He's, Bentley? Yeah, he's like the Impact's Jason X. He's just, he's like kind of there, but he's like a guy they really like. Not his wrestling style or anything like that. Okay, I can I can I can see that. Uh, and that's from like way. where he stands on the card. Yeah, and like they really they're really into him. Um, and like in reality, he's not a bad worker, but like. People aren't really into him super much. Yeah, so just some explanation. Jason Axe uh, was a local wrestler here in Syracuse. Oh, well, Saban and Petey are going. Petey yeah, so was Petey, like hitting on Tracy. Yeah, and Saban just attacking from behind. And here comes Matt Bentley. Look at this. Now, see, look at him doing dives, dude. Right after you're talking shit about him, not doing anything. There he is. Uh, yeah, Jason Axe, he, here in Syracuse and like... When 2CW was going on, like, I feel like we didn't really value him, and then it ended, and we're like, wow, Jason X isn't that bad. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a lot of time where I was like, yo, fuck this guy. He would go away heat with me, brother. Uh, I will never forget when there was going to be a 60-minute Ironman match with Jason X and Johnny Gargano, and I wanted to hit my head with a cinder block. Angels wings and Austin Aries for the pin. Good win for Daniels. That was good. So that was effective. Daniels gets the win, and then uh, obviously if if Bentley, Williams, and Saban are doing something with Ultimate X, that plays a part there. Right, and we saw the Ultimate X preview first. We're all tying it together. Yeah. In the battle tonight, AMW versus Team 3D, I'm kind of really fucking excited about it, I think. I'm not. I think you're you're underplaying it, and I don't like that. I it's just it's Team 3D. I just don't care. The Monster Abyss, we're seeing a little hype package of him. He's a monster. Because it's, it's I fucking knew it was Zabisco, dude. Totally well, he's a monster. <laughs> Is he the guy? He's a freak. Speaking of monsters, uh, Johnny Fairplay's back, apparently. God. And um, it's because Dixie still sees him as his big star. Um, and she, Alvarez goes, which suggests to me that she's been hanging out in that monster's ballroom for the past two years or so. But basically, he's not going to be back on Impact because he's co-hosting syndicated episodes of Explosion with Jeremy Borash. Huh. That's new. Yeah. Pretty weird. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I wonder if he would have made a difference on Spike compared to FS1. Okay, that's a really good point. Here you go, dude. Bound for glory. Abyss versus Sabu versus Rhino versus Jeff Hardy and Monsters Ball. And you know one thing about that. They will not get food. They will not get water. There will not be light. And I forgot what else there is, but they won't get it 24 hours before the match. Food, light. Water. Water. Is that it? Because you're just in darkness. Oh, well, yeah, but that's the light. Right. So, like... I don't know. Anyways... No sleep. Well, no, they could nap in there. I don't know, man. I don't know if I could do that. Nap in a... Look at this, though. Abyss coming out with red lights now. He used to have blue lights. We're mixing it up here on Spike. (sighs) I wonder who Abyss is going to (laughs) murder. I can only imagine. Well, let's see if Abyss has any indie notes. It's probably someone already in the ring, if I had to take a guess. Or it's going to be Sanjay Dutt. Watch. Watch me like Shark Boy. I have not looked at the card, so I actually don't know, but. Oh. Oh, Sonny. Well, hold on. Sanjay Dutt's come out to this. Oh, no, it is. It is Sonny Siaki. That's Sonny Siaki's music, though. Yeah, but yeah. they had Sanjay Dutt come out to it once. Oh, well, look okay. It. Okay, so no, no more neck brace, and he's wearing his old, like, blue entrance gear. Oh, good. So we're, like, uh, back to, like, old, cool Sonny Siaki, but we know yeah, what's about to happen. Okay. I don't know if I like this. Uh, Abyss has a few notes here. Uh, at that one that one PW show, AJ Styles defeated Abyss uh, in England. Then the next day in Michigan, Rhino defeated Abyss, number one contendership for the PTW heavyweight title. And then on the 7th of October, Abyss defeated Tyler Cook to win the NWA Missouri Championship, which was vacant. And then he wrestled Mark Sterling to a no contest for NWA Kansas heavyweight title. And on the 8th, Abyss wrestled Chris Michaels to a no contest at NWA 57th anniversary show 
in Nashville, Tennessee, at the fairgrounds. 57th. They just had, what, 75 or 76? Yeah. That's so weird. Sonny Saki chopping a bit. He's getting some uh, some shots in here. Now, I don't know if you know this or got the connection. To me, I feel like they're trying to be like, he looks like The Rock, right? Because he came out and he did the finger point okay. in the air. He's got his sunglasses on. His head is shaved. He's like Hollywood Rock. He's Hollywood like, Rock. I feel like it's very much on purpose. Um, Abyss's elbow was bleeding instantly in this match. I don't know why that is. I wonder if it was from the brawl that we saw last week. Um, yeah, probably. Little heel kick. Well, you're no, dude. You're absolutely. If you're channel surfing, you're thinking, "Oh my god, The Rock is on TV right now." App, dude, fucking absolutely. Hurricane Rana by he just did a hurricane Rana. See, by fucking duck by uh, Sunny Siaki, who's wearing Hollywood his paper Rock for Hurricane Rana. And James Mitchell's wearing black this week. I thought James Mitchell strictly wore <laughs> red. That's what I thought. So the fact that we've seen him in yellow, purple, blue, like patterned black. I mean. Although I do like the black with like the red shirt underneath. That's nice. Mm-hmm. It's like a reverse. Abyss going for a splash in the corner. Squashes Siaki. If you're following along at home, we're 24 minutes, 15 seconds into the Today Show. And this match is about to be over because here goes the shock treatment. Bam. There it goes. I probably hurt. Is he about to go get thumbtacks? Is that what he's doing? Black hole slam. Crowd's chanting for it. See, well, there's the black hole slam, and that's going to be it. But it's actually kind of good that they've been running Universal for so long because the fans actually know who people are. So when you're watching on TV, they're not just, like, bullshit chanting for people. Yeah. There's, like, a connection with some of these guys. Even though there is, like, goofy chants, like, uh, this, uh... (laughs) Yeah, and Lance and like Lance Hoyt is basically Stone Cold Sebastian. Right. A little Samoa Joe package here. Mm-hmm. You'd think this guy has been here for three years. I feel he's like he's been here since June. I know. I feel like after his first match, it was like, oh yeah, he's been here, right? Like it just felt it felt like the perfect fit. Uh, speaking of people that are here now, um, I don't know if we're going to see him on today's show, so. Uh, Kevin Nash's contract, he signed a one-year deal for four pay-per-view appearances, which would be two more after the next two, if that's what's going to happen, and 16 TV appearances, theoretically, the last four weeks before all four of his pay-per-view shows. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Tanay's in the ring with Larry Zbysko. We just said he's the commissioner, or whatever you're calling him. We're about to have an announcement about Jarrett versus Kevin Nash. I wonder what it could be. Dude. The championship committee, dude. We're playing music in the background, which is kind of annoying, but. The volatile situation between Kevin Nash and Jeff Jarrett. Is that really... The volatile situation. It's not with Raven destroying no. people backstage. Okay, there's a special referee, guys. I wonder who it could be. TNA is bound for glory, and nothing is going to stop it. 
He needs a man who has no personal agenda in TNA. That's not true. <laughs> he punched Jarrett before. Right. <laughs> He's refereed Jarrett's match before. It's not fucking true. He's been here before. You son of a bitches. <laughs> I can't believe that. Here comes the hunting, Huntington Beach bad boy. I love that. Okay. In 2005, this is now his second or third, if you count the non-impact one or whatever, like yeah. appearance, right? When he comes, what what year is it? When he like comes back again? And then like no 2013, one, right? The no one cares. One. Like yeah. this is like people are excited because he was just hot. He gives a, a fan his his beanie, and then he comes back, and people are like, "Who gives a fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> to TNA again. He's another guy. I guess I never realized how many times this dude's appearing on. on I, can't, uh, I didn't think he was going to be in the studio, like in the venue. I mean, that is that is nice. On October twenty third. TNA, myself, Tito Ortiz. The millions of fans around the world. Oh, wow, dude. We're going to get Bound for Glory. They're fighting with the action figures in the crowd. Jeff Jarrett and Kevin Nash. He's got two rules for him. Easy rules. But they're very important. Rule number one. Rule number one, you respect oh him as a referee God, in the is ring. so bad, Dallas. Rule number two, if you ever lay a finger on me, he's going to what? Kick yours? Break yours? You break yours? Oh, okay. If either man breaks his rules, punishment will be quick. Punishment will be severe. And punishment will be final. Yo, this guy is bad. Not a good, not a good promo, man. Not and here world. comes Double J, the NWA champion. Yeah, but Tito, dude, dude that's I one of his favorite shirts, dude. Back in May, Jarrett for Prez. Okay, they're like not even acknowledging that Tito was here before. See, that's weird. Um, well, let's hear what Jarrett says. Did I hear what I think I heard? That Tito Ortiz is a special referee at Bound for Glory. Tito, I'm going to make it real simple for you. I don't have a bunch of rules. I just have one. If you utilize one finger on him, he's going to break his freaking neck. Yeah, well, he already did. Oh, my God. The wannabe comedic actor, Kevin Nash, he... He's going to send him back to Hollywood with Burt Reynolds and Chris Rock. It's not going to be the longest yard about for glory. It's going to be Kevin Nash, longest night of his career. Oh, dude, we're blowing through his paper. We're blowing through his appearances, dude. The camera is acting like as if Nash is going to be running to the ring. Can you break? No, because Jarrett was running up behind him. And he did. He went right after Nash, and now Nash is laying him in and looking really pissed off. Crowd is not reacting to this. No. They're actually really fucking silent. Probably because, I don't know, they already saw him. Yeah, it's probably, so it's yeah, not as exciting probably, anymore? There's no heat for Nash. 
off the ropes. We cut to a different camera for some reason, and Nash does a clothesline, and now he's laying in some right hands. Tito Ortiz is just watching. Just like, yeah, I don't know. Now he's choking out Kevin Nash. Wait a second. Wait a second. Tito Ortiz. No, is he with Jarrett? Wait a second. Wait a second. No. What the fuck? Is he going to choke out Jarrett now? He's got to. He's got to. No, Jarrett says, nah, you ain't choking me out, brother. He just throws him off to the side, and now security is going after him. How's that fair? He literally choked out Kevin Nash. I can't believe he just choked out Kevin Nash. I just did not expect that. I love Nash getting held back by people, dude. It always looks so believable because he's fucking huge, and he's like trying to get through him. Okay, we're back from commercial. Shane Douglas interviewing Christopher Daniels. He demanded this time... For six months, I ruled the X Division. I defeated everyone. AJ Styles fucked him up, dude. How about a little preview for you? Oh, three of his best friends from the X Division, and he can guarantee that he will defeat them in 15 minutes or less. So it sounds like we're going to get a Christopher Daniels gauntlet next week. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Styles. You ran in. You got yourself a deal. Okay, give us the names. Give us the names. Shark Boy, Sanjay Dutt. Chris Saban. No, Jerrell Clark. Jerrell Clark. He's not going to put fucking Chris Saban in that, dude. Austin Aries, Roderick Strong, Jarrell Clark. I'm calling it. Yo, Jarrell Clark being the third one. Yeah. I don't know. I just got this weird feeling, dude. He's going to pick <laughs> Jarrell Clark. No knock against Jarrell Clark. I'm just saying. <laughs> he is kind of the X Division job guy. Uh, yeah. Who we got coming out? Oh. It's time <gasps> for the dream tag team match, dude. Okay. Well, as they're making their entrance, let me give you my final note of the show. Um, apparently, um, on November 3rd, Bob, there's going to be a special Thursday night episode cool. of Impact uh, at 10 p.m. And that's because the regular Saturday night slot on November 5th is preempted by a live UFC card. Um, yeah. The November 6th replay is moved back to 1 a.m. because they're replaying the Saturday night UFC starting at 11 p.m. So we kind of have a little different thing. Our episode will drop at normal time that week, but just so you know. We have some decent time left in the show, Bob. We might be getting the full match here. Yeah, well, you know how I watch it. We get uh, we have about seven minutes and 52 seconds left in the show. I don't know, dude. We might be getting the full match here. I don't know. No, Bubba, you're not, or you're not supposed to look at the camera that's following you. Yeah, he doesn't notice the camera. It's supposed to be so we can get the cool back shot. No, dude, he's got to get all... He's got to get as much face time as he can. Why is Steve on jacked, dude? Did you know that he had, like, a stroke and back surgery before he just came back? Back surgery? And a stroke. Who did? Devon. He had a stroke? That's what I read. Hmm. 
I still, I'm actually behind. Um, I'm a bad Impact fan because I have not watched the Thousandth episode yet. Um, I have no idea about it. So I don't know how they did. They also hyped it up like they were going to fight some crazy mystery team, and then it was like, not that. I I knew as soon as they didn't announce a team that it was going to be like just. You know what I thought it was going to be though. What? AMW. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because they were going to be on the show, and they kept showing the card. It didn't say Team 3D in action. I would have been fine with bullshit if they said that. It was Team 3D and two blank silhouettes. That, to me, screams, we're doing a good team. And that is not what they did. Yeah. Devon's starting out with... Harris? Storm. Storm. I couldn't tell. It was zoomed in on his butt or something. I can tell by the ponytail. Oh, yeah, the ponytail. Well, see, I didn't know if Harris was doing a ponytail because they're bad now, so I really didn't know. Both the uh, Team 3D throwing Harris into Storm now, and then here comes Devon with a splash. Brother Ray coming with one. Uh, are we going to get a... Oh, I thought we were going to get, like, a 69 thing. Throws Harris out. Devon clotheslines James Storm out of the ring, too. We're going to a commercial, commercial break. break. We're back, and AMW has control in the corner of Brother Ray. Why Harris is getting out of the ring when I, I think there was supposed to be a tag there, but yeah. Oh, okay. So during the break, Team 3D was using the crowd to get fired up, but apparently that must have not helped them very much because they're getting their ass kicked right now. Okay, so Bob, you have this match going on right now. It's legit. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, you know Team 3D is not going to Bound for Glory. Mm-hmm. Who's winning the match? Oh, boy. Well, I mean, personally, if I am booking, okay, Team 3D is losing. I think, dude, especially now that America's Most Wanted's heels, they cheat yeah. to win. They have to win this match, dude. Because Team 3D losing is not going to hurt Team 3D. No. They are the WWE team. People know who they are. Whatever. They yep. have that history. AMW is newer. People aren't going to know. But if they beat Team 3D, a casual view like, what the? Who the hell is AMW that they beat this guy? these guys? You're establishing your star. Your homegrown stars. So by that logic, TNA will probably have Team 3D win clean. Correct. Which is very... Um... Normal for them. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's misguided. In my opinion, when it, like you, when a WWE guy comes in and he immediately beats your TNA name, what's that? You are you know? you're solidifying your competition as being better than you. Another important question for you: <clears throat> What is your favorite Team 3D Dudley's match? <laughs> Tag team, regular tag team match. You have to pick one. I, I can't pick like TLC. No, oh, that's shit. a cop out. There's three teams. Uh, okay. Uh, I I will say against Edge and Christian Royal Rumble 2001. Hmm. Okay. And that's only because uh, the Dolly Boys uh, were working, quote unquote, with concussions. They were what? The the whole angle was that Edge and Christian like concussed them. Oh. So they were like working. Yvonne, it's clean house here. Um, my favorite 
Team 3D Dudley's match is this one. I knew it. Who are you, Bruce Pritchard? Why does he say that? Yeah, I'll be like, Conrad will be like, what's your favorite Virgil match? And he'll be like, this one. They were talking. <laughs> oh, I didn't know he did that. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Talk about a podcast I cannot listen to. The Bruce Pritchard one. I like him. Oh. Get, you like major bullshit, more bullshit than Eric Bischoff? Yeah. We have to see Doomsday Device here by the uh, Team 3D on James Storm. What a rush. Yeah. It was okay, kind of. Dude, the crowd's going nuts, though. I mean, they're super into this match. Yeah. Harris goes for a huge clothesline, but it's countered. Double. Oh, dude, if Devon, if Devon didn't do the double team move on his head, Harris could have broke his neck right there. <gasps> oh. Is that Gail? Oh, my God. Gail Kim has just made her debut. I'm pretty. Yeah. They're saying, yeah. She low-blowed Brother Ray, and now Devon grabs her by the hair. So we got a cop out. Jarrett with the... T- Holy shit. Jarrett wailed Devon with the title. Wales uh, Brother Ray with it. Is this our way to get him not on Bound for Glory? No, Gail Kim is fucking smoking. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Jesus. How am I supposed to boo her? A uh, huge debut here. Obviously, will be uh, pretty big and t- uh, time to come here. Brother Ray's about to get hit in the death sentence. They didn't pick the lighter guy. They were like, fuck it, do it to Brother Ray as, oh, oh Devon's geez. juiced. Well, you said they could do it, so they, they could do it. Into that. Look at Chris here. That guy is a star. Dude. <laughs> Give Harris me a break. Is, Her- That's the crazy thing, right? We're in 2005, late 2005. Harris is still a standout. Yes. Oh, we're about to he's hit the death of the filled out. So he's got muscle. He's not, you know, the skinny kid that was in the asylum years. Devon did a hell of a fucking play job on that title hit. Yeah, and now Jarrett has the guitar. We're just wailing on. Now, Brother Ray is not busted open. Oh. I guess I'm not 100% about that he anymore. He might be. Yeah, he is. Oh, he is. He is. He is. Okay. Also, pretty good. But Devon, because he's bald, is like top notch stuff. Guitar shot right over Brother Ray. He was selling too long, so Harris kicked him down. <laughs> that was kind of nice. Hey, dude. This oh. is pretty wild. Poor blood. That's a poor blood. Yikers, man. I have a controversial statement. I kind of like Jarrett and AMW. <laughs> well, I, I don't hate I, it. I think it's actually, and like heel AMW so far, pretty yeah. good. <laughs> I don't hate the trio at all. Well, we went yeah. off the air, um, and I think you were right. I think that was kind of the, that was us writing the Dudleys off for Bound for Glory, which is pretty unfortunate in hindsight that they can't be a part of this huge show, but that beatdown makes AMW look pretty good. Yeah, I would say I would say so. I mean, I'm not surprised that, like what you were saying, that Team 3D is now like apparently gone for a little bit. But Mike, what I'm expecting, we'll get through Mount for Glory. Actually, okay, hot take here. This is my big. This is my big thing here. I'm gonna f- book this now. Mm-hmm. 
Bound for Glory, we're going to see AMW in the Naturals. We're going to repeat the stuff we already have seen. Yeah, okay. We know we know it's going to be a good match. They're going to win the tag team titles again. Mm-hmm. Can't complain about that. Love it. The week after, maybe two if you really want to push it. Dudley's are going to, sorry, Team 3D is going to return to build for our November pay-per-view. The Dudley's win the titles. Will it be a tables match? Probably. Um, you think they're going to win the titles on their first, like, attempt? Once again, you just said it earlier. In TNA, <laughs> they're going to have the the guys go over right away. That's just what they do, dude. I hate to say this, and I'll compare it to current day stuff, right? Yeah. Um. Basically, uh, Trinity comes in. I mean, she's a great, you know, great wrestler. But she she gets one shot. I I'm pretty sure she got one shot at the knockout title, and she won. Yeah, of course. I will say, I'm pretty impressed that Samoa Joe has not won the X Division title yet. I will give credit where it's due. They've held off on that. Yeah. I'm shocked. But needless to say, yeah. there uh, is I, more. There is more depth in the X division than the tag team division. All right. So that's my prediction right now, uh, at least as far as our tag team division goes. And I think it makes the most sense. And if especially if like Team Canada is kind of aligned with America's Most Wanted during the weeks between Bound for Glory and the November show, we'll probably get a Team 3D versus the Team Canada thing to kind of like mm-hmm. fill some time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's zero, no way, percent chance that Kevin Nash leaves with the title. No, I like not so. even, not even thinking about that. Yeah, but the fact that Tito Ortiz choked Nash out and only kind of threw Jared aside is super interesting. Yeah, that could be a little bit of a. Of a I think that's a foreshadow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I for one thought that was another good episode. Of Impact. Yeah, I thought I thought it was too. I mean, for, again, for a forty-one minute show, uh, flew by. The, I mean, Tito, like you said, is a very poor, um, horrible promo. Promo, very poor promo. Bad, but, a, a bad live promo for wrestling. UFC, right. he knows how to talk, but when it's like apparently scripted for him, no way. Not good. Um, but you know, that's okay. We can't be good at everything. Right. And then Jared, and I mean, honestly, the better part of that segment was after he stopped talking. So, you know, it kind of worked out. Yeah. Um, well, we got two more weeks. And then it's uh, arguably the biggest show in company history. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Bound for Glory. The show that was supposed to happen back in like 2003. <laughs> yeah, that's so wild. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that they had the name. And they were like, "This is this has got to be what we do," and they stuck to it. And we're literally doing Bound for I'm, Glory. I'm surprised they didn't do Bound for Glory instead of Victory Road. Me too. I'm, ex- but maybe they did that on purpose. Maybe they really yeah. wanted to test things out, and um, they waited. And we are finally getting it. And it's supposed to be the biggest show so far, to the point where I'm almost a little worried about how long that episode's going to be. But we'll find out when we get to <laughs> we'll it. We'll find out when we get to it. <laughs> We'll cross that bridge when we have to. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up the second uh, Impact on Spike show. Uh, and like Dal said, we are just now two more weeks away before Bound for Glory. And boy, let me tell you, T 
TNA is going to continue to provide some captivating stuff. We had Gal Kim debut here. You never know who's going to show up in the Impact Zone. So will next week have another return debut? Who knows? There's only one way to find out, and that is to continue the journey with Dallas and I as we go through the history of TNA. So for Dallas Gridley, I am Bob Collins Jr., and this has been the TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Finished guilty.